1: Did you go in spoiler-free, or had you been watching what was going to be the set list before you went?
2: No. I tried to avoid spoilers as much as possible, which was pretty much impossible. Yeah. Because even, like, I, I had to shut down E Street Radio, because they were playing songs from this. Yeah. I had known a couple. But I guess the big one that I did know, and it was, at this point, was No Surrender being the opening song, which was a song... It was a favorite of mine and I'd never heard it before live. So I did know that. And I did know it was the first song because it was like, I just popped on YouTube randomly and it comes up in my recommendations. And I'm like, I know it's out there. I might as well watch it. And then, you know, you see the band coming out and I'm like, okay, now I know it's the first song, but uh, yeah, I really only caught a little. And like I said, there were no surprises. It was Prove uh, Prove It All Night or Badlands or, the thing is yeah, ninety percent sure he's probably gonna play.
1: everyone and welcome to another episode of set lusting bruce your podcast all about bruce springsteen his music and mostly his fans i am your host jesse jackson i have a return guest ken joined me all the way back in june of 2021 so almost two years ago so welcome
2: back ken Yes. Yeah. Good to be back. Yeah. It doesn't seem like two years ago. I was thinking that myself. I'm like, when was it? It doesn't seem very long, but yeah, here we are.
1: For those of you who may not have heard the episode, tell us a little about yourself.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I live here in Tinley Park, which is a suburb of Chicago. I've been here in Chicago all of my life. Big baseball, White Sox fan. I know we, we got into that a little bit the last time. I did. And obviously, I'm a big Bruce fan. I've been a Bruce fan since the early 80s sometime, and still, um still going strong with Bruce. More than ever, I think a lot of these podcasts and the availability of information has really kind of re- revitalized my interest.
1: I am glad to hear that. I hope you're enjoying mine. Yes. There are a lot of podcasts now that... When I started this back in 2005, there was not any other podcast. And now that we have so many great ones, that one lyric, we've got the East Street Cafe that just started, none but the brave, yeah, yeah. just so many Springsteen sings the alphabets. Yeah. It's really great. I guess let's start out with since 2000, since 21, we've gotten the covers CD and we've gotten a tour. Let's start out with. Did you like the cover CD? Did you enjoy our uh, walk down Soul Street?
2: Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a big fan of the cover CD. I probably only listened to it once, uh, all the way through once or twice, maybe. Okay. Um, yeah, it, it was. Uh, it was funny. When I heard it was coming out, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna like this or, or not. And you know, I'm like, but I don't know. Bruce can do it real wrong for me, so it doesn't matter what he puts out. In yeah. The first song came out. I'm forgetting which one that was right now. but I, And I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I'm like, I, yeah. he's done it again. He's hooked <laughs> me. But then the next couple releases, not so much. Night shift, I was never really even a fan of the original for some reason. It just, I don't know. And
1: get. people talk about how much they love the original. And I was meh on the original too. A lot of the other songs I adore, but man, there are people just adore this—the original and his cover. And I do think the cover's fun. Yeah, it is different. On some people, feel different ways.
2: Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, I listened to it all the way through, and yeah, just I guess that's my criteria: is do I go back to it? Yeah. How do I feel? Like I, I didn't really go back to it, and. And then I just never really felt it to come back to it. So,
1: yeah, that's no problem with that. Have you made any shows on the tour?
2: Yes, I was at the show in Milwaukee. I think it was about two weeks from today. And it yeah. was the last one before the little hiatus. So, yeah, I was uh, yeah at that show.
1: Let's talk. Uh, first off, how much trouble was it to get tickets?
2: So, the ticket, I, it's funny because I've heard a lot of the ticket. The ticket buying process, and it could not have gone smoother for me. Talk uh, to me. Yeah. First, I put in for my verified fan, and I put uh, three choices. And Milwaukee venue, in Milwaukee is about a two-hour ride from my uh, from my house, so that was obviously easy, easily drivable. I think I put in for Columbus and St. Paul, which is about seven hours maybe more because you're going to have to stop. It's probably seven hours of pure driving. So I was like, I don't know if these are realistic, (laughs) but I'll put them in and, uh, and we'll see what happens. And I got, um, you know, Milwaukee choice. I got the code the night or two before, and that was not the first round of shows that had gone on sale. So I was prepared and it was interesting too, because I had bought, White Sox playoff tickets a year before when it was just a few months before. And I knew the drill that once you get in there, you really got to move quick. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't a lot of time to, to make decisions, but I got the code and I got in and we'll see how it goes. And uh, it was funny because it was a work, work day, regular work week and uh, I had a meeting like, I think the tickets went on sale at 10 it's just, I think that's a pretty typical time. And uh, I had a meeting at 1030 and uh, I got in the queue and I had my work computer on one screen and my personal computer on the other. And uh, it's like, there's over 2000 waiting in front of me in the queue. And yeah. I'm like, there is no way I'm going to be able to wrap up these tickets in a half an hour, and I'm like, I'm just going to have to probably probably miss out. But it didn't take that long. Once it starts going, that queue goes down really quickly. And then I got in there and I picked some seats. I think most of the lower levels were sold. I was in the upper level, and I think I, I looked at some, and they were, like, way near the top. And I'm like, no, too high. i will on a little lower. And uh, I think, like, those were gone, and I went across the other side of the stadium and, and got some. And I uh, had the whole process wrapped up in 25 minutes, paid for and everything. And as far as the pricing goes, two tickets were with fees, everything, taxes, everything was $400. So not cheap, but not a skyrocketing price. I would say 2016, I had seen him and probably paid 350 for a similar seat I was here in the United States in Chicago, but I I didn't really have any complaints about the process or about the prices. Based on what I heard, I was surprised. It was all fine for me.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I'm. I'm not the only lone voice in the wilderness, but I do feel like that's one of the things I'm trying to push. The narrative of is yes. If for certain shows in certain sections, it's going to be expensive. If you're yeah. on the East coast and you want a pit ticket, there's a lot of people wanting that and it's going to be. Yeah. And I respect someone if they don't want to have a crappy seat, but I think in most shows, and yeah, you could make the argument. I paid about 180 for my upper level seats in Dallas and the same thing for Tulsa. And I guess you could argue you shouldn't have to pay almost two hundred bucks for an upper level ticket, but that's the world we live in right yeah, now. Yeah. And I but I am really tired of the narrative house mortgage to Pagosi Bruce. <laughs> and it just it isn't the true. So
2: Yeah I know someday I'll-
1: Did you go in spoiler-free, or had you been watching what was going to be the set list before you went?
2: No. I tried to avoid spoilers as much as possible, which was pretty much impossible. Yeah. Because even, like, I, I had to shut down E Street Radio, because they were playing songs from his Yeah. Story. I had known a couple. But I guess the big one that I did know, and it was, at this point, was No Surrender being the opening song, which was a song... It was a favorite of mine and I'd never heard it before live. So I did know that. And I did know it was the first song because it was like, I just popped on YouTube randomly and it comes up in my recommendations. And I'm like, I know it's out there. I might as well watch it. And then you you see the band coming out and I'm like, okay, now I know it's the first song, but yeah, I really only caught a little. And like I said, there were no surprises. It was Prove uh, Prove It All Night or Badlands or, the thing is, yeah. 90% sure he's probably going to play. I was pretty much, uh, did not know what to expect.
1: So give me your first impressions, and then we'll go into a little more detail.
2: Yeah. Well, I have to get some complaints in there. What was very interesting about this venue, I'd never been to Milwaukee before for a show, and uh, the venue, the, the concert time of the ticket was 7.30, but the venue did not open the gates until 6.30. So there was a huge queue to get in and through security and all that. And it took a good, for me, and I, I arrived just before 6.30. And it took about 40 minutes just to get through the door and then like to buy drinks and I and merchandise and get settled. It was tight. And I probably got to my seat right about 7.30 and the stadium was only like a quarter full. And... Uh, but my, my she's like, I didn't have a drink. I just went in after the, the merchandise. And she's like, I want something to drink. She's like, there's no way he's starting a time. There's going to be a lot of people upset if the stadium's only a quarter full. So, yeah, it worked. Um, I got into my seats and uh, in plenty of time. But a lot of people didn't. So when the first song came out, there was just a mad scramble and people shuffling and everyone moving around. So that first song, which was a big one for me, was a little bit – I didn't have my full concentration on it because so many people were in the aisles and just scrambling for for their seats. If I had a complaint, that was probably the biggest one. But
1: So my story of that is several years ago, I had traveled to Winnipeg, Canada for a business trip, and I had timed it so that I could see Brian Wilson he was doing his Gershwin tour. He had done an album of Gershwin covers and he wasn't, he wasn't coming anywhere close to Dallas, but he was coming to Winnipeg. And I, at the time I went to Winnipeg once a year to visit this office. So I timed it and I went and, and a coworker says, I want to go to dinner with you. And I'm like, okay. And she says, and this will work out fine. I will drop you directly in front of the venue so you won't have to, like, we'll park your car there, I'll pick you up, we'll go to the restaurant, I'll drop you off and you'll be fine. Okay. And so it was getting closer and closer to concert time and I'm starting to get nervous and she just keeps talking and then I had to pay the bill. And they didn't take American Express. So I had yeah. to grab my Visa card. And so we got there and it was close. It was very close. And so I'm I look at the table and I'm looking at things. And I'm like, okay, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I'm in the bathroom and I start hearing music and I go, yeah, yeah. That's odd. Why would they play a Brian Wilson song on their holy crap, they're playing. And so I got in about halfway through the first song. I hope you did not do what I did, Ken. It took me five songs before I had to tell myself, Jesse, quit beating yourself up and being angry that you missed. You're going to miss everything else. Hopefully you didn't – weren't too frustrated.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Oh, no, I was. Um, yeah, no, that was actually fine. I said I, the first half of the song, I, I probably wasn't really engaged, but the second half, um, Good. I was. And it's funny, every time I've seen Bruce, the first, I don't know, five songs, I'm just in there with my jaw dropped. Bruce yeah. is there. I'm here. So mm-hmm. I'm hearing it. I always have that. I don't know what the term is, but. That moment of the surrealism, I suppose, that uh, this is, uh, is real. And uh, it always takes me a while to to get into the show yeah. for some reason.
1: So I'm looking at the set list. It's the pretty standard set list. You got Pay Me My Bunny Down, yeah, which yeah. a lot of people thought was a little maybe not the best choice considering all the other discussion. You got Burning Train, which I yeah. did not get on my yeah. three shows. Though I got If I Was the Priest, Death to, to My Hometown, and Land of Hope and Dreams. That's a pretty cool set list.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I said I really didn't have any problem. I, I thought, paying my money down. That's funny. I I do like that album. And uh, I used to love to listen to it in the car. I, Miss the old days of the CD in the car. I just put it in and let it play. And now with picking and choosing and Spotify or whatever, I used to always just leave that one in and let it play. And when I got the end of it, it just played again. So I didn't mind it. I thought it was weird though because it just it didn't seem to fit with the rest of it. I thought it was a little out of place, but I uh, I didn't have any real problem. No complaints. Yeah, It's interesting. You think about sh- the show he put on, which was great. You could make a great show out of the songs he didn't play. Atlantic Absolutely. City, The River, Hungry Heart, or yeah. USA. You could just totally swap it out and still have a great show. So I, I just yeah. know you're, not, you're never going to get the pre-programmed show that you want. There's too many songs that he has, uh, and he can't possibly cover all of them.
1: I really agree. So, Ken, what are some of the highlights of the show that you might want to talk about?
2: Yeah, yeah. I thought really, for me, it was that first part of the show up until um, Kitty's Back. I was just blown away by um, the power of the guitar. The song choices were fantastic. And really, yeah, the whole thing, it was just just great. I I couldn't really believe they came out with the... Like a house on fire like that. And I was like, there's no way they can keep up this pace. Um, for, uh, another uh, hour and a half or two hours, I guess it's probably about a half hour for five songs. So yeah, yeah, for me, that opening uh, salvo, whatever was on that was just fantastic. So
1: what uh, besides those surrender, and then obviously the letter to you songs, did you get any other personal premieres?
2: It was not a premiere, but Backstreet's was one. Another one where I was at a concert and got interrupted <laughs> during the song. And that would have been my first time I'd seen Backstreet's. So Backstreet's was one I really, I really savored and enjoyed that one. Um, that's one of my favorites. i just blown away by the music in that one. And, uh, and the lyrics too are, are great, but... That was one I really enjoyed. I had, it's funny, we were talking just a few minutes ago about playing the CD and letting it run. I used to, I, and I still do actually, I like to listen to it while I'm working on the, the Hammer Smithsonian CD, the 17 minute version of, of Kitty's Back. I, I really always just enjoy listening to it. I'll play it while I'm working or while I'm driving and just let it go and, and restart. And mm-hmm. I hadn't heard that live before. I hadn't heard E Street Shuffle before either, and that was another one I, I really... I don't know how you don't like that song. I really don't know. I don't know what the popularity is, but I don't know how anybody doesn't like that song. It's Yeah. Uh, again, it's more the music uh, than the lyrics in on that one. The music is just fantastic and really upbeat. And uh, like I said, I don't know how anybody doesn't like that song.
0: Yeah,
1: I was very vocal... I'm not a big fan of Kitty's back. And so when I went to the show in Dallas, I came here and I recorded my first thoughts and I said, I owe Kitty's back an apology. That was powerful seeing it live. Yeah. It it just was so well done. Yeah. I just really felt like they were giving their all and it's just been something beautiful. I, I was lucky enough to do three shows the fourth I had to miss because of COVID but I just was it it was just great it just was a wonderful I think he's telling a story and I think it is really cool
2: yeah yeah Um, I noticed that, like I said, he had to probably slow it down a little bit after those first, I don't know, what was it, five to seven songs. Yeah. I think it was a break because he does a sing through the whole thing and, and it's long. Yeah. And people definitely started heading to the aisles during it, but I, I, thought, I, I liked, uh, thought it was fantastic. And uh, I could see, like it was a little bit of drag on the show because it was slower and longer, but I kind of, yeah, there's
1: no way he can keep on that pace. <laughs> when, I, when I really like, the guys in the None But The Brave podcast brought up the fact that it gives him a break.
2: Yeah.
1: That he's not playing guitar, he's not singing, so he gets to take a breather. And especially when you look at it from that perspective, it's really special. You mentioned the kind of mix up on start dates and everything going any other nitpicks you got with the show
2: no not really like i said i'm just going to take what i can get i know there's no way you're going to be 100 percent satisfied um, yeah come out of a show I, you, I just again just mesmerized during the whole show and um and you know you don't really think about it After the show, maybe in the day after, I was like, "Oh, he didn't play the river. He didn't play racing." But yeah, no, no no regrets, no complaints. I'm not gonna. I guess I'm not gonna. I know you can't hear everything. I just know it's impossible.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Are you gonna try to go to any other shows on the tour?
2: Yes, I have tickets for the show in in Wrigley Field in August. Nice. Yeah. Again. Another smooth ticket buying experience. Maybe not quite as smooth as the first one, but pretty smooth and didn't pay a lot. Paid less for those than I did in Milwaukee. Oh yeah, that's another thing. My seats in Milwaukee were great. I was in the second level, but I was about parallel to the front of the stage. It's hard from that perspective, but I was pretty much above the stage. So I could see the whole band, see everybody. So I had a great perspective and... Obviously, the sound was great. No complaints at all about where I was in, in the stadium um, or, or anything like that. So another real positive. I was really happy with those seats. So.
1: And your lovely bride, was? did she enjoy the show? Yeah,
2: yeah, certainly, yeah. She she did. She's not a big Bruce fan, but she's starting to come around on some of the stuff. So, yeah, certainly uh, more than previously.
1: I can't let you go without talking a little baseball. How do your socks look?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's going to be a yeah a tough – I don't know. It doesn't look great this year. They've lost some players and didn't really replace them. I guess it all depends on injury and performance. If everybody plays well and plays up to the capabilities, they've got a pretty good team. they got a lot of talent. But if injuries hit them, and or players underperform for one reason or another, they're in a bit of a, uh, yeah, a bit of a struggle there. So um, we'll see how it goes.
1: So my, the Texas Rangers spent a little money and uh, got a couple of nice players. So we're going to see what happens. It is, it's always fun. To think about the season starting and, you know, it's got that potential and it's always fun. I am very jealous of you going to see the show in Wrigley. I am, I haven't got any tickets for the second round yet. I've waited. I'm going to wait and see what frees up and where can I go? There is a slight chance, I'm hoping, We have an office in Lake Havasu, Arizona, and it's only a few hours from Phoenix. And uh, I'm trying to talk to my boss like, hey, I should go visit. I would do that thing again. I should go visit the office. And oh, by the way, let's do it around the end of November where Bruce is in Phoenix. So we'll see what happens. Good. Anything else you wanted to bring up or anything else you want to discuss, Ken?
2: Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I could talk a little bit about the the ticket-buying experience at Wrigley. It was interesting. I guess I'm curious, too, about Stadium Choice and how he does it or how anybody would do it, really. I thought it was interesting because he he had the one show, which I believe is August 9th, and then I noticed there was like a week gap between shows, and I thought it was interesting because every time he's come to Chicago, he's typically played. Two shows. Um, mm-hmm. I know he played two nights at Wrigley in in twenty twelve, and you know, and you know, he's played. He usually, plays. He's played three nights at the United Center here, which is the basketball stadium or basketball hockey stadium. And uh, I was like, curious only one show, and why he didn't play at, like, a Soldier Field, the football stadium here, a bigger venue. Um, yeah, so kind of curious. But then I tried to get tickets for that first show and did not get tickets. And it has some trouble with the website and, and things like that and uh, then as soon as that show sold out they announced the second show which is two days later on a friday and the tickets went on sale a few days later and uh, again i had a little trouble with the uh, the website where yeah i got in and it would say there was tickets and you hit the button but nothing would come up it would give you an error and uh, Finally, I, I figured out that I cracked the system. You turn down the slider into a price level where you wanted to afford it because there were seats. That showed that I did see seats for like $1,900 at that wow. show. Yeah. I don't know if that was dynamic pricing or just what kind of VIP seats they were. I didn't really look because you don't have a lot of time when you get in there. You got to move quick. Yeah, you do. But I set the slider down to a price I felt comfortable with and I hit best seats available and popped up and I got some really nice seats at a good price. Mm-hmm. Again, it worked out in the end, but uh, yeah, just I'm curious, like how he chooses, like why he would choose Wrigley Field and doing two shows to forty thousand people, and who knows, that's what Wrigley Field holds without people in the the lawn. But uh, and Soldier Field holds sixty one thousand people, so I just wonder, you know, you know, would he prefer two shows there? Certainly, Wrigley Field is much more iconic than um, than Soldier Field, but. Interesting, Uh, because I know he's playing the football stadium in uh, MetLife in in New York. Yeah, uh, he's got a lot more fans there than he does in Chicago. But yeah, just kind of curious. Like I don't know how they go into those decisions or thought processes or whatever.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I've I was lucky enough to go to the only show I've seen in Jersey was the last time he did that three nights at Met Stadium. And Chris and I were surprised how good the sound was for an outdoor yeah, right. venue. It really was. And I was worried he was going to come back and do Jerry World here. Right, right. Uh, but I, and I have heard that it is absolutely the worst show, really? the worst venue to hear live music in. We we went to WrestleMania there. My son took me to WrestleMania and, and it was watching the screen and hearing everything, but it's not a band. yeah. So yeah, yeah we're going to see. So yeah, I think we'll wait and see. It is weird. You wonder which venue you pick, which one you don't. And the reality is, He's done it before a 10 night stand at Madison Square Garden. Now yeah. they're a lot older now. And I right. bet you, much like the NBA back to backs really will yeah. make them hurt. So we'll right. see what happens.
2: Yeah. Cause I was wondering, cause I was looking at the schedule and I saw his opening, but then I saw there's uh, another concert we're going to field on that Saturday. And I was like, he plays the first show was a Wednesday and like, he's going to skip Thursday. I'm like, can they play Friday and get the show turned over for the next show on Saturday? I'm like, I was wondering if there was going to be a second show at all. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And yeah, as soon as it sold out, they announced it. So I, I don't know. They make that decision based on how fast tickets sell or, or whatever, or just want to, <laughs> in the old days, they used to put that second show on sale, like when you were in the queue. Right. Um, and I thought that was just to give people a break who had waited in line or whatever back in the day. Um, It was, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I guess I'm interested to see how he changes it up for the stadium show. And I think Wrigley is the first one here in the U.S. that's a stadium show. Oh,
1: it'll be interesting. Yeah, Yeah, I think, you know, right now he's doing a very static set list. I think he has a story to tell. It will be interesting when he goes to Europe how he changes it and then also when he comes back. Yeah, I think there's nothing but good to talk about. I'm excited about this. I am thrilled that we've got the gang back together. And I also think it's been very, to throw it to you, he's had to change the lineup card multiple times during this first part of the tour because of COVID. And he's been able to switch the lineup enough to keep us an entertaining show.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said before, I'm not going to complain, but yeah. Yeah. The other thing really too, is what they're doing at their ages is is amazing. I had seen Bob Seeker at 74 and Bruce okay. was, what 73 going to be 74. And the Bob Singer show again was fantastic. I had never seen him before. And I really liked it, but I think he was sitting in a chair for a lot of the show. And, and Bruce to be running around and still pretty high energy. I don't think I could run around the stage for three hours. Like he, did, no. uh, and I'm 20 years younger. So.
1: I'm 63 and I, as much as everyone's, oh, how can you sit in a Bruce show? Okay, I'm old. I have to sit. But I had a great time.
2: Yeah. Well, good.
1: Uh, any final thoughts, Ken, before I let you go?
2: Yeah. No, I just say, I guess, no complaints on any end, either set list or, uh, or pricing or anything like that. And, uh, yeah, just really, uh, yeah, looking forward to the next, uh, next show and see... um what he brings in, if he plays some of those old other classics that I mentioned, is he, he work in Atlantic City in or um, Darkness, uh, The yeah. River is another one my, my favorites. I guess one thing I think is interesting, I know the end of the show probably is pretty pretty static. It's going to be your Thunder Road, Border Run, Badlands, and yeah. Rosalita. But to hear those songs live is just fantastic. You really enjoy them. You've listened to them so many times, and to get that full stadium experience, really, again, just shell-shocked or mesmerized during that whole whole sequence.
1: Yeah, I was a little jealous, and I wouldn't trade. I was so loved. I got If I Was the Priest twice, but I love Land of Hope and Dreams. It's one of my yeah, favorite yeah. songs, so I was very happy that you guys got it and just a little jealous that that would be one that I would want in the set list every someone asked me last night, I was a guest on their podcast and they said, you know, what would, you, if you were building the set list, what would you start with? And I said, well, that's easy. Better days. I would love that because yeah, yeah. the start. And then he said, what would you close with? And I said, land of hope and dreams though. I'll see you in my dreams is a pretty good ending. Yeah, so I said, yeah. I I'd, I'd have the band do land of hope and dreams. And then him come back solo. I'll see you in my dreams. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, that great. Was,
2: uh, yeah. That was great. And, I was. I think everybody says how the show was uh, the "Last Man Standing" and a story he told, and yeah. yeah, you could hear a pin drop in the stadium um, during that part. And, and yeah, I really did enjoy that closing of "I'll See You in My Dreams" again. I had not even forgotten that was from "Letter to You." I was thinking it was uh, it was older than that. And uh, then when I went back to to play it, when I uh, got home, I realized it was from Letter to You. So That's awesome. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was an older song. I don't know why.
1: Mm-hmm. But,
2: um, yeah, I'd forgotten for some reason. Thank so, you, yeah. my friend.
1: I appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. If someone wants to reach you, how can they?
2: Yeah, I guess I'm on Twitter. I guess it's a little tough. Uh, I, I just uh, my first initial, last name. So, yeah, that's probably the okay. best way I'm still... Uh, yeah, still, despite the changes, I'm on Twitter, pretty frequently so
1: me too thank you hopefully we can get together sometime in the second leg of the tournament and share a hug and share a beverage and i just appreciate you jumping on and sharing your experience with me
2: yeah yeah love love talking bruce as you can see probably pretty long-winded on some of my answers no
1: you were perfect (laughs) all right listeners be sure and keep us posted. Let us know what you're thinking, but for now be safe, be kind, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Goodbye.
2: Greetings from Massey Park.
1: everyone This is a quick shout out to thank all the wonderful people who are members of the Set Lusting Brute Patreon page. So we have Jess Almer, Sylvia L, Liz Bronson, Yeda, Fernando Lozano, Steve Vancek, the Ghost of Floyd, Rob, Crystal Carroll, Bella Pori, John Munson, Betsy Hodges, Levi Petrie, Stephen Malio, Captain America, Steve Rogers, Dale Hozek, Terry Smith, Anna Lynn, Chris Bloom, and Mary Thomas. So, go to patreon.com, look for Set Lusting Bruce. If you want to support me, I would appreciate it. Thank you, listeners, and thank you, my wonderful Patreon supporters. There we go, another episode I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand, but I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingBruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, perfectly good podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Skaggs. And then finally, How Many Podcasts, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking music loving album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast. That is the one, the only. Setlistings Bruce. The theme for Setlistings Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.